HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is proudly supported by LMT, the hospitality industry's preferred source for tabletop and more. Learn more at lmtprovisions.com. Hey, this is Hannah Forden. I'm the program manager here at Heritage Radio Network. This year, we're celebrating HRN's 10th anniversary, and I want to thank all of our listeners and members for being a part of an incredible year of food radio. We never would have made it this far without all of you. So HRN is now in its summer fun drive, and this is when we turn to you and ask that you make a donation to help ensure a bright future for food radio. Whether you listen to one show or 20, there's a reason why you keep tuning in week after week. All of our content is powered by a small nonprofit, and we rely on your generosity to keep going. Help us keep broadcasting the most thought-provoking, entertaining, and educational conversations happening in the world of food and beverage. So become a member today. To celebrate our 10th anniversary, we have some brand new member gifts available online, so I encourage you to snag your new favorite pizza-themed t-shirt or enamel pin today and show the world how much you love HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate so you can snag your 10th anniversary member swag. And thank you. Hello, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, July 24th, 2019. This is the 222nd episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an award-winning Australian coffee roaster with a new roastery and cafe in Brooklyn, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to have gumption. Yes, have strong will and determination to take initiatives and go after what you want. In other words, have chutzpah. Don't be afraid to challenge yourself 
and seek to achieve new goals, even when the endeavor may seem daunting or intimidating. Greatness cannot be achieved without trying, and life's too short to not pursue your dreams. So have gumption for gumption. That's my tip today. Now I'm really excited to have my guest here in the studio with me. It is Hazel Delos Race. She is an award-winning roaster and co-owner of Gumption Coffee, a new coffee roastery and cafe in Industry City, Brooklyn. Hazel, along with her partner Claire Lim, began their coffee journey with their first coffee shop, Coffee Alchemy, which opened in Sydney, Australia in 2003. They now have three high-volume cafes down under, many industry accolades, and their first venture overseas in New York City, offering the best coffee they can roast to New Yorkers. Now, full disclosure, Hazel and Gumption Coffee are a client of mine. I love working with them, and I love their story and everything they're doing, and I'm just so excited to have her on the show and share it with you. So, welcome, Hazel. Thank you very much. I'm very, very chuffed to be here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I got you to Bushwick. Excellent. Yes, I know. <laughs> Did I have to cross a river to get here? I don't know. I think you were already across. But <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad. It's a, yeah, it seems to be a very nice space, nice neighborhood. Um, and this is a good place to have um, a studio in. I can see tables everywhere yes. yes we're like in it in yes. in 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 the industry in the industry for sure so I always like to start with my guests on their background how they got into the industry so you want to start out with a little about I don't know where you grew up and and what led you to become a coffee roaster mm. well um coffee I guess has been always with me even as a child I know some cultures put an age limit or uh, an age at which they can get the kids started on coffee. But for me, it was, I don't know, maybe, you know, when I can drink hot drinks, we were drinking coffee. Um, so it was real coffee. So whenever we have summer vacations in my grandmother's province in the Philippines, we'll, you know, drive two and a half hours to get there. And she lived in the house where there's a huge... Um, uh, forest at the back and the forests are surrounded by rice paddies but the forest is kind of like common ground where everyone just grew fruit trees coffee trees and a whole lot of stuff that we would consume for ourselves so the coffees were growing wildly and then my grandmother would pick up the red coffee cherries and then they'll she'll lay them out on the patio for you know a couple of weeks until they dry out and you know somehow my summer memory was that of don't touch the coffee on you know on the driveway so we'll avoid it and and because it's never something that was a fruit that we can consume it's not like you know mangoes on a tree that's you know ripening and it's just nice and juicy and as kids we would use you know slingshots to get them off the tree and then you know it's free for all so that was fun to do but coffee wasn't really that interesting because you know what enjoyment you get out of it so you needed to process it first which things were you know stuff that the grown-ups did so lay it out on patios don't touch and then the women will gather it and then uh, we'll have a giant mortar and pestle made of wood and then the men of the the family would pound it with giant um, bamboo sticks until you expose the seeds and that will be the the coffee beans 
And then again, the women, you know, the, the grandmothers of the family would gather together and, and roast it until they're dark and, and roasted. And then they'll, you know, grind it, mill it. And then there'll be jars and jars of coffee going around to all the families. And that's what we'll be drinking. And no kids were involved. And then in the morning, I'll wake up and there'll be hot coffee in the pot and it'll be mixed in with condensed milk and that's what we'll be drinking and somebody will co be coming in from the bakery with you know fresh pandesal or buns and 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 yeah the memory of my childhood summers were that and then after breakfast it was free for all go to the forest and get yourself dirty and stinky all day and we'll be just you know you know um playing amongst the the coffee trees because they're growing wild and the fruit trees and you know getting up to mischief until evening when we'll get the calls you know to get home um and then it starts all over again the next day wow so, so you literally grew up with it and I, I was when you were when you were speaking before you said mangoes it's so funny I was thinking because I grew up in Miami yes we had a giant mango tree in our backyard and we had more mangoes than we knew what to do with. Yes. Um, so it was just, when you, as soon as you said that, I was like, that's my memory. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. You know, you, you grew up with fruits, you get to know what ripe fruit means and stuff like that. And, right. And we all, you know, played tricks, sort of like trying to catch the giant jackfruit because it's spiky and it's heavy. And, you know, some sometimes the, the grown-ups would like to get it so they can sell it sell it on the streets and then it's like the the kid's job is to wait at the bottom of the tree and wait for that big giant spiky jackfruit to drop and somebody has to catch it because if it splits on the ground that's it right you can't sell it so it's like okay you, you it's your turn this time so so that literally planted the seed at <laughs> least for you but yeah. let's jump ahead a little to i mean you didn't initially set out with your career to be uh, in the hospitality industry no, or to be a no. coffee roaster and no. then what led you to move went to um, Australia I was actually um, a women's refuge worker I, I worked in the women's center so you know women who are experiencing domestic violence at a time I'll get them to refuges I'll get them hooked up with um, legal support and stuff like that and get them resourced so that's a very um, taxing work because I to this day I, I don't think it's it's a flawed system um, because there's not enough funding all the time and instead of you know being resourced to really address the issue we're always constantly looking for spaces to house women and you know, women were just never-ending violence that was going on. I was thinking, it, it gets to you after a while. So I had to stop, and I thought, I'll write a book just to, I, I guess at that time I was um, burnt out. And then I was, you know, I, I took a year off to write a book, and then I, I guess I got writer's block. You know, 80,000 words down the line, you know, I came to a plot that I couldn't resolve and I just started drinking more and more coffee and getting, you know, interested in coffee. And it's like, what coffee is this? It's not good enough. I should, you know, get started on, you know, um, uh, getting myself a better roaster to get my coffee. And, and then my sister was, her b birthday was coming up and she said she wants a coffee machine. And I'm thinking, okay, 
can I have a coffee machine as well? <laughs> but then, you know, um, I, I got researching on the different types of coffee machine and then suddenly I realized espresso coffee is something that is very different. You know, Australia is 99% espresso coffee. So if you go to Australia, anywhere in Australia, you order a coffee, they're, they're going to ask you, is it a cappuccino, a flat white, a latte, espresso, long black, short black? But, you know, you can, Americans will go, no, I, I just want coffee. <laughs> and <laughs> don't you just have coffee and and no we've never heard of such a thing as drip so it was interesting because a lot of machinery involved a lot of science is involved and I started researching and I got the machine that I want because I knew you know I researched on that and I thought it's not going to cost me thousands and thousands it's going to cost me 750 dollars but I realized I needed a grinder for it and then after a week, I'm thinking, my roaster is no good. I need to find really fresh beans. And then I thought, you know, I can roast beans. I can put them in a popcorn machine. I can modify a popcorn machine. And then I can roast it. And I can just approach, you know, my local roasters for green beans. And I started doing that. And then, you know, I can extend my roaster. And, you know, I can get a better tamper for my machine. And all those things cost money. <laughs> so this was all you were doing yes. just as a... a a hobby or yes. just for yourself as for okay. myself and then a friend of mine said you're roasting coffee well Christmas is coming up I want nine kilos worth of, of coffee beans and there I was roasting on a 80 grams oh, what's 80 grams I don't know six six ounce of, of beans at a time so it took me a week to furnish that nine kilo order and then um but it was fun I learned a lot and then and then I thought you know, somebody said, you're spending so much on gear. Why don't you open a cafe? And, you know, you're, you're already, you know, more than halfway there. You've you already got, have a business in yes. your home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and why don't you just open a cafe? You've got your own beans. You've got your own roaster. And, and so I did, and that was the start. Um, and, yeah, and that was the down the rabbit hole I go moment. And you... You've been in Australia. It's very successful with it. You opened one place and you opened two more. Mm-hmm. Um, all are in Sydney. Yes. Um, what led you to want to move to New York City and open a place here? Well, um, th- that's the thing. It, it started from a hobby to a business and then the, a, a business that started becoming successful. So much so that we started getting approached by by people to open up cafes in, in, in their development and we turned those into successful businesses as well and we thought we have this drive to look at an empty space start something make it grow just based on what we believe our strengths are which is delicious coffee and how it should be served um, we can do this, you know, basically anywhere. And we thought, where can we do this next? Where's the most exciting thing? And we thought of all the places that could be likely candidates. Like, but then it's like, you know, Melbourne, there's lots of people there. I mean, lots of people <laughs> opening up coffee. cafes. Yeah. I mean, cafes already. And, and, yeah. and it's like, well, I, I think what was coming from that question was, where is the most challenging, fun place? Hard, probably difficult and and probably give us the fright of our lives, but then it'll be, you know, such an adventure. And we thought, 
okay, whereas, where else in the world do people have more than one coffee a day and use it because it's a necessity? We crave it because it's a necessity, not because it's a social event that, you know, you, you meet with friends and have coffee in the afternoon, but you, you kind of like need it in the morning, need it in the afternoon, need it a few times in a day. And we thought, New York, New York, that's a lot of coffee drinkers there. And guess what? You know, people have been saying New York water is actually quite nice. And water is what? Most of what, you know, goes into your coffee cup and if the water's nice and we can get the coffee great, then we're there. And I, I guess that was, and yeah, the, the challenge is definitely there. I've never been to New York before. All I know is the story of how, you know, it's just a juxtaposition of excitement and, and fear and yeah, basically. So it's, it's, we thought, let's go have a feel for it. And it was not just exactly, but a whole lot more than we thought it would be. So here we are. So, yeah. So here yeah. you are. Yes. Let's take a little break now because uh, it's a good time too. And we'll come back and we'll hear about your experience opening here, the name <laughs> Gumption, and, uh, and more about coffee. So stay with us. This is On the Industry on Heritage Radio Network, and we'll be right back. This episode is proudly supported by LMT, the hospitality industry's preferred partner for sourcing tabletop supplies. From their New York City headquarters, LMT provides expertise and uniquely curated products for restaurants and hotels nationwide. Whether it's dinnerware, glassware, and cutlery, to small wares and equipment, LMT's approach to tasteful design and product knowledge is simply unmatched. Learn more at lmtprovisions.com and listen to founder Morgan Tucker on episode four of Opening Soon on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Hazel Delos Reyes. She's the co-owner and head roaster of Gumption Coffee NYC. So let's talk a little about how you went about finding a location in New York, in Industry City, in Sunset Park. And I have to say, when I came out to meet you for the first time, and I'm thinking it's a going to be a coffee shop and I'm thinking it's going to be about the size of this shipping container we're in and I get there and there's this giant space 6,000 square feet and I was like wow this is not just a cafe coffee shop this is a production this is a roastery so um yeah how I mean you're you Okay, so you lived in Sydney, yes. you hadn't been to New York, and you're you have this this idea. Let me let's let's open there. Okay. So how did how did you find your location? Well, we always wanted to set up a roastery because we've that's always how we've done things. We've never used other people's beans. It's always been ours. We we needed to do that to start from scratch that way. So start from scratch at a place you don't know and then 
<laughs> we, we really have to, you know, clean slate. So it can't be in Manhattan because I, I don't see any big roasteries happening there. I think we'll be in trouble with the Environmental Protection Authority. So definitely it was Brooklyn. So we search around Brooklyn. Uh, there's a lot of warehouse spaces that was coming up. And then um, our, our agent said, there's a space in this new development called Industry City. You better have a look. It's, it's pretty big, and I reckon it's, it's, it's what you're looking for. And um, we looked, and it was huge. But we immediately envisaged ourselves mm -hmm. being there. We, we could see ourselves there. We, like when we saw it's like, okay, the roaster is going to be here. You know, we didn't have to imagine too much how it's the, the, the final place is, is going to be like. And we thought, and any subsequent place that we saw seemed to be judged against it. And then, you know, and, and when we realized that if you stood at the front of Gumption Coffee Ritz, now you're actually looking at Manhattan, it's like, wow, well, this is part of a dream, you know. Being in New York, if you, you have a chance to be working and looking at the lady on your left <laughs> <laughs> and, and Manhattan right there in, the, in front of you, it's like, that's, you know, that's got to be a view that, you know you you look forward to every day and we thought that's a no-brainer we're in new york we, we we better you know know it every day that we're here so you found your your space and then with opening and and discovering i guess what or how new yorkers are different than mm -hmm. what do you say you say sydney ciders sydney ciders um you what are some of the differences you found and then how have you created your your coffee program to to maybe um, cater to that? Well, you know, the good thing is um, New Yorkers like their regular coffee, which is drip. Right. So that's something new to me. I've always developed blends for espresso and not just for espresso. I mean, Sydney ciders would like to not admit the fact that they, they drink a whole lot of milk with their coffee. So espresso is basically 30 mils of espresso and the rest of an eight-ounce cup. So that's an ounce. The rest of the seven ounces are made up of milk. Right. So I have to develop blends that could cut through all that milk we're adding. So we're actually popping up the, 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 the dairy industry as cafes in Sydney, whereas here, regular coffee is just pure black most of the time. And if you will add something, it'll just be a bit of milk or a bit of sugar. So I then have to you know, start fresh and go, okay, so this is how I'm going to have my coffee to be. And I, I, I when we first, you know, vis started visiting New York, I had a lot of drip coffee. I, I, I'm, you know, I actually started falling in love with it. Now I just drink it. So wherever I go, even if it's not our cafe, if I go out to Manhattan to meet up with friends, I'll just drink regular drip. And, and some have been quite good and revelatory. Some have been, okay, it's, it's just they're not trying really hard. So I, you know, got to realize what people's notions of the regular coffee is. And now I'm starting to roast that and have ideas of how I can not, you know, just present something that maybe a lot of New Yorkers may like. So I have lots of ideas. So, yeah. <laughs> No, that's so, yeah, you're doing your research going going out and about. Yes, uh, and it's amazing. You know what, you know, I go back to Sydney and people go, 
good on you. You know, New York coffee deserves, you know, New York people deserves better coffee. I'm thinking, no, actually, that's not true. There are, there's quite decent coffee in New York. I'm there to make, you know, to, to offer them a version of what they may think it's better or we can work together on producing better coffee. But that's not really true. There, there are good folks in New York that are producing good coffee. <laughs> I, I I love I love I love all your responses. I really do. It's um it's 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 true. And you came here and you're you're doing you're you're adapting, but you're you're true to who you are and your brand. Yes. For sure as well. And what where you where do you source the beans from? Um uh back in Sydney, we already source it directly from producers so we do a lot of traveling except for this year because of you know New York um, we've focused our time on getting New York established so we're probably due for a few origin visits in the next you know year or so but we travel to origin to set relationships with our producer partners so we have producer partners in Colombia in Bolivia Rwanda and um, and we keep in close contact with those people and the producers that are doing well and they send us samples and um, we buy accordingly and from time to time we'll visit them to see how they're going um, and you know it's good to make contact and go hey Andre do you know last um, last year's batch of, of your washed um, red bourbon um, from this mill that did really well what was the difference you know that what was it about about that crop that made it really good and go oh because I did this for maybe I fermented it for another two hours and I'm thinking well keep doing that because I'm liking it um, and then he gets a bit you know experimental and he goes okay well Hazel I got something for you <laughs> so I mean yeah, it is that's a relationship yeah, it's a mm-hmm. relationship so uh, we we do that and even if we don't visit we keep our contacts going and we keep buying from them and sometimes if their crop is not that good, you know, people who are dedicated to producing quality, even if their crop is natural and they have a bad year, because of their dedication, their product is still stellar, you know, in comparison to the rest that's out there. So I'd still buy it and I'd still feature it. And sometimes if it's, you know, um, not singing so well, I put it in a blend, but I'd still honor that coffee's place in that blend because it still contributes something tasty. So when you associate with similar-minded people who are dedicated to quality and know exactly the kind of work that it entails, um, then you, you, whatever nature, uh, uh, misfortune nature gives you, I think your sheer determination to make something good of it, it shows. It shows. It's a really good point. And I've, I've come, I've experienced your coffee cupping sessions well you're more user-friendly for people like me who don't cup for a living (laughs) Um, but that's I mean that's that's the whole that's how you decide what you know what you're going to be using yes yes and 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 it's blind so we don't make assumptions and sometimes as well it's not fair to you know to the the producers that you deal with to start buying the coffee only because you know them so you still need to be true to what you believe in, which is the quality. So we do it. Okay, so we gather it from the producers that we buy from, and it's blind, so we don't know whose coffee is which. And then we, we, you know, we, we pick our 
you know, best three lots. And most often, sometimes, there'll be a surprise, but the other two would be, you know, ah, of course, I knew that. But then the the rest that, you know, were still doing well, but didn't make it, would still would still continue to buy and, you know, sort mm-hmm. of like honor the relationships. However, because we're roasters and we're blenders, we we have room for, you know, to move them around. So that's fine. And what's been your experience as a as a female entrepreneur and roaster? Because there it's it's more rare, right? To yeah. be to be a female roaster, yeah. from what I understand. Well, yes, because you, yeah, because it's 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 a industry dominated by males, and um, <laughs> and and yeah, and and I was gonna say you're looking around to see if there's males, but there's none no, in there, here. Yeah, not in here, but there's a lot out there. And then, um, and, and yeah, because it's a whole lot of machinery and technique and a whole lot of, you know, black magic involved. I mean, and egos involved. I mean, guys tend to thrive in that environment. But, you know, it, it's, I didn't find it difficult. I actually found it um, liberating because I'm, I'm most often as a female, you're underestimated anyway. So people tend to leave you alone because it's like, you know, and then you, you're free. I, I, I felt myself free to do anything that I want, learn however I want, experiment, and, and yeah. And, and then the, the expression of it is in the coffee, and people go, hey, this is really nice. You know, who, who roasted this? And then you, they'd usually look for the guy, but then they're surprised it's me. But then they've already, you know, drunk the coffee. <laughs> they've already <laughs> realized that it's nice. They can't make assumptions about how it's going to taste because, you know. So, so that's been quite good. But at the same time, I always have to sort of like, I'm not, I don't like to toot my horn. I really don't. That's why I think I need to work harder to produce you know much more tastier coffee so it goes without saying and I I don't want to sort of like you know sort of promote myself but um so I've had to work harder to showcase the coffee yeah Yeah, well I can attest to someone who's who's drinking your coffee your drip coffee Uh, your specialty espresso coffee thank you delicious I drink it any day any variety I I like variety yes so um the flat white to just a cortado, a, a, cortado, a little less one. milk, yes, you know. Yes. Yeah, it's it's all delicious. One more question before yes. we take a break, another break. New locations, you're maybe seeking out to do more yes. while you're yeah. over and here? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, we're in New York, you know, the Big Apple, so you need to take Manhattan on. Um and that, that, you know, Ella Fitzgerald song, I'll Take Manhattan, it's been in my head for, for decades now. It's one of my favorite songs. Um, and so, yes, um, we're looking at finalizing. I, I can't say, you know, it's not inked yet, so I don't want to jinx that. So. No, don't but jinx we, it. <laughs> we are looking <laughs> but at... But you're looking. Yeah, we are looking in Midtown, some somewhere nice and busy. Um, and it's, yeah, it's looks to me like an exciting location. So watch that space. You know, Gumption will be opening hopefully sometime soon, October, November. But we'll see. We'll see. Exciting. Yeah. Okay, let's take another break here, and we're going to come back, and we're going to play my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
Are you enjoying our podcast? Heritage Radio Network has lots more. I'm Ethan Frisch. And I'm Jenny Dorsey. And together we host Why Food, a podcast about innovators, career changers, and entrepreneurs who are changing the face of food. How did these folks decide to hit the brakes, start over, and become inspiring chefs, entrepreneurs, farmers, and activists they are today? Browse episodes of Why Food wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Hazel De Los Reyes, and she is the co-owner and head roaster at Gumption Coffee, and it's time for my speed round game. So what this is, is I name a few things, and you get to pick your preference, <laughs> such as chocolate or vanilla. Chocolate. There you go. You did perfect on the test one. <laughs> okay. Eat in or eat out? In. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? All-inclusive charge. How about sausage rolls or avocado toast? Sausage rolls, God, <laughs> with tomato sauce. Very specific. <laughs> David Beckham or any other celebrity? David Beckham, yeah. But I would like Hugh Jackman to walk into my roastery <laughs> one day as well and go, hey, I heard you're roasting coffee. You're from Australia, okay? So we'll see if that happens. Well, the David Beckham thing did happen, yes. which is why I, I picked that as a choice. But you, Hugh Jackman has a coffee shop here. Did you yes, know that? Yes, I, I know. The, and what's that's it? Why the, okay. It was, was it Laughing, Laughing, Laughing Man? Laughing Man, yeah. 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 I don't know who rose their coffee. I, I probably put out here an invitation. Hey, you. Hey, mate. Well, we're here in Brooklyn, mate. <laughs> if Hugh or David come in, I, I would like you to text me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I will, definitely. Look, um, it, it seems as if, you know, from, from staff um, memory, he was, David Beckham was a, a very coffee, um, knowledgeable guy. He, he loved looking at the roasters and, you know, inquired about the beans. And he had three lattes because he wanted to try different beans and what it would taste like in his latte. So, so there you go. He's very coffee curious. And I heard he's also quite the Epicurean, so... Yes. In, yeah. So there you go. A yes. man with taste. Yes, indeed. Okay, we got two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Sydney? Manhattan. Oh, wow. I wasn't sure where you're going to go with that. Manhattan, here you yes. come. Yes. Look, I, I was just... Uh, in Union Square Park yesterday, mm -hmm. it was cool and it was in a quiet place of town and we thought, this is beautiful, this is magic. And last week we had burgers in Madison Square Park just at dusk when the lights are just starting to turn on and I, we could see the flat iron building and then, you know, the, the two towers with those golden cones on top and then we could see... Um, 
uh, Empire, the Empire State Building. Um, and it was just magical. You're sitting in the park and there are squirrels running around. There are people with dogs. And I'm eating burgers and crinkle cut fries and drinking a beer. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is, you know what? This, is, this place is supposed to be crowded and crazy. But somehow I can find the time to sit down and look at a very beautiful building, look at beautiful architecture and just enjoy a city. It's a beautiful city. So, yeah, I mean, it can be crazy. I've, I've, I've come across a lot of crazy New Yorkers, opinionated and loud <laughs> as they come. But you can still find a little corner mm-hmm. in a, somewhere in busy Manhattan and, and find yourself just observing people and having some peaceful time. And it's, it would still be, it would still come across as a beautiful city regardless. I agree. I've lived here over 20 years and I, I, yeah, you look up, you have to look up and like take it all in. But yeah. city is magical. And that, I believe you're at Shake Shack and that situational location for them is so ideal. I really think that that's um, part of why they, the brand really did so well. They picked the perfect spot. Yeah. And you know, there's always a table, no matter how long yeah. the lines are. Yeah. You can always find a spot. If not, you can just get a park bench and right yeah yeah and fun fact the Flatiron building that's over right there that that's like Mm. shaped like a piece of cheese yes i worked there and my first pr job wow i worked in that building (laughs) and that was very it was a very it was a very cool job for many reasons but that was a large part of it too it's like being able to say i worked there amazing because you know i like it so much we have um uh, a souvenir flat iron building that we took with us back to Sydney to remind us of, you know, our New York dream and need to keep it alive. Um, And then I saw the ripple on the other side of it. I think it's the western side of it. There are some ripples on the building. I'm thinking, when I come back, I'm going to check it out, whether it's true. And it was. I'm thinking it's the most magically, you know, architectured building there. It's it's beautiful, yeah. Wow, there you go. There you go. Something new I learned about you. (laughs) Fabulous. Okay, so industry news. There wasn't anything I thought so huge this week with 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 news in our industry. So I picked out this article that I saw on Food and Wine magazine's website, and it's entitled "The Fifty Dishes That Best Represent Every State in America According to Reddit." Do you agree agree with your state? And this was by Maria Yagoda, who is awesome. And I thought it would be kind of fun to talk with you about it too, considering you just moved here and uh, mm. your opinion on it. But we we you know looking at this list, and it's we're not going to go through every state, but mm. New York they have in quotes the garbage plate as as this this dish that represents the, the state, and the runner up is the bagel. Mm. Okay, so I I can get the bagel. Yes, I actually googled garbage me plate too. before what the on show. Earth is a garbage plate <laughs> because I know for me, okay, it's like a, a smorgasbord on your plate, like lots of different things. But I was like, is this an official thing? Mm. And I found there was something about it. it's like a fast food restaurant that they put burgers and sausages and beans and salad and all the stuff on the plate. But for someone that's lived here for a very long time. I was very surprised that that is the dish they have. I know. And I think it's more like a claim to I ate garbage. (laughs) (laughs) And it surprised me. And the other thing that I I had to stop and go, oh, New York 
it has garbage bags. Do I have ownership of this? Am I allowed to participate in this discussion? Am I a New Yorker? But then I started feeling maybe not. But then I started yes, feeling. Yes, you are. You live here now. Very strongly about this garbage plate. Uh-huh. I go, no, it should be the bagel. You know, with the white fish salad on a bagel, on a, on a everything bagel with slightly toasted, you know, lightly toasted with a white fish salad. That's the best thing. Give me that over a garbage plate any day. No matter how much I drunk the night before, I think that's a much better option. And I, I, I decided, you know, I, I'm going to weigh in on that argument because I, <laughs> I feel very strongly about it. Anyway. Yeah, no, I was surprised. I mean, there were things in the list I was looking at. Florida, they have the Cuban sandwich and the runner-up is the key lime pie. Okay, And perfect. I, being from Miami, I, can, I get that. Yes. I can see that. Um but yeah, what what would you say back home would be, what would you predict would be on this list if, well, from Sydney? From Sydney, sausage roll and tomato sauce. Okay, that's what I thought you were going to say. Um, but, you know, Sydney's becoming so multicultural and, and so embracing of American culture now. I wouldn't be surprised to go, oh, brisket. <laughs> that's funny. Well, <laughs> the reason I asked you also about the avocado toast in mm. the game was... New Yorkers, at least, you know, avocado just started showing up these avocado toasts on menus maybe, like, I don't know how long now. It's mm. over somewhere between five and ten years ago. But it wasn't a thing. And now it's everywhere. Yes. But we credit it coming from Australia or maybe Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of Australian cafes in New York and everyone has the avocado toast. So, but is that a thing back? Yeah, it's it's, it's still a thing back okay. in Sydney, and because Sydney has a very thriving independent cafe scene, so and and we have well, we followed the steps of Melbourne, where we think that weekend brunch is the best thing ever. So we're very adventurous with our offering. So avocado and toast will be as simple as you can get, but then I've I've had you know, sort of Japanese-style barbecued mackerel on quinoa. And it can be very fancy as well. It can be very, it can be a very chefy dish breakfast. So um, that's something that Sydney and Melbourne do a lot. Um, I think that's what um, New Yorkers are starting to embrace with a few of the Australian um, newcomers is, is because we're introducing, you know, sort of like chefy, you know, um, I guess unique breakfast brunch offerings, um, and yeah, and and I, I think it, it just enriches New York more. <laughs> well said. Okay, we're gonna. That's that's gonna be the end of our discussion on this. Yes. But people want to go Google it and Google um, the the garbage plate too, yes. so you can read read all about this new discovery for us. Um, I just wanted to make a little announcement. La Dame Escoffier, New York, has their summer dine program happening. And I'm a member of La Dame. And it's uh, this this program, All 100% of the proceeds will be benefiting the scholarship fund that we've, we have with the organi- organization. And what this is, is on July 29th, August 6th, and August 12th, uh, some of New York's top restaurants are offering tables with special menus and opportunities to meet chefs, and you could buy a whole table, and again, it's going to a good cause. And some of these restaurants are, are Felidia and Sar Indian Bistro, Cafe Baloo, Manhattan, Untitled. 
you can go to ldny.org to find out more. And tickets are sold on Eventbrite. So I just wanted to give them a little shout out for that because I think it's a good opportunity to dine out and support something good. Okay, we're going to come back and we will have my solo dining experience in the final question. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Prince Street Pizza. Here's the rundown. The location, 27 Prince Street in the Soho Nolita area of Manhattan. The concept, a classic slice joint known for its square slice. The owner, Frank Morano. So why did I go? Because I was hungry for a quick bite. I was near enough by, and I hadn't been there in a long time. My experience. So it was this past Monday where we had this massive downpour in New York City. And I had a a work event. Actually, I was down in Chinatown um, that I hosted. And I did have a little something to eat there. But I was there for a few hours and I left. And I was walking down the street and I realized I was hungry. And the streets were empty because what happens with with bad weather is people stay home. And so I was walking and figuring out what I wanted to eat and I decided to go to a place that typically has a long line. So I, I that that is what brought me there. I said, I bet there's not gonna be a line and I'm gonna get in and I'm gonna get my slice. And what do you know, that's what happened. There was one other person there and um, I got, I got a, my pizza and I sat, or I didn't sit because there's no seats, but uh, along the ledge they have a, a little, Uh, counter and I uh, stood there and I enjoyed my pizza. So what did I get? I had the pizza spring square pepperoni slice. My take? It's delicious. It was delicious. It has a nice crunch on the crust. Uh, It had these little tasty spicy pepperoni cups in it. Uh, It had a slightly spicy Diavolo sauce and the fresh mozzarella. It's a really really nice square, which they have other, they have uh, traditional uh, slices there too, but the square is what they're most known for and it was was delicious. So the ambiance, it's a no-frills, tiny little square pizza joint. They have celebrity photos who visited there on decorating the brick walled space. Um, the line normally forms in the middle and goes down the block, and um, there's a windowed storefront. I'd say it's perfect for pizza lovers. Interesting tidbit, there are rumors that Prince Street Pizza is opening a second location in Manhattan. Uh, it hasn't been revealed yet, and I'm assuming it's not going to be on Prince Street. Personal fun fact. Okay, so then I was leaving and, you know, you have something salty and you kind of crave a little something sweet. So I said, oh, wow, Morgan Stern's, my favorite favorite ice cream place, or one of them, is nearby. That place always has a line. Let me go over there. So I walk over to Morgan Stern's. 
no line, get in, try a, f- a few flavors, and then take a single scoop of Rocky Road to go. And actually, when I was walking down the block back to the train, I ran into some industry friends, which was fun. Uh, David Semenoff and chefs Sarah Grunenberg, who's Grunenberg, who's from Chicago, they were here. So it was, you know, I was thinking it was like a New York moment of a night where I just, nothing was planned, and I had, I had this really, really great experience. Okay, so the cost was $4.90, that's including tax. Would I go back? Yes, especially on a rainy night. And their website is PrinceStreetPizzaNYC.com. So there you go. I'll check that out. Yeah. yeah. I, it's it's popular. It's a popular it's a popular place and it's a, it's a different type of um uh the 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 um the uh the square is you know it's oh, the yes, thicker yes, 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 yes. thicker the type Roman different than what like we have here at Roberto's. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. There you go. That's Put another pers- place on your list. Yeah, so, well, I'll, I'll make sure it's a rainy day. I don't have to line up. <laughs> I yeah. have to say, though, as, you know, it was a reminder, too, with when there's bad weather. Mm. Man, the restaurant industry is so tough. I'm sure lots of people know, canceled their reservations I know. and just stayed home. Uh, you probably could have walked mm. into any restaurant. But that's the, that's the irony know? of things, you know, like as consumers, customers, we look forward to a time we don't have to line up, but also as part of the industry, it, it you know, a line means you're busy and that's what keeps you going. So, you know, I, I just have to get used to the fact. And Sydney has lots of lines as well. If you do something well, people will line up for it, for anything. Don't, so. don't you guys call that the queue? The queue, yeah. But I'm, 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 <laughs> You're wanna, adopting. Yeah, look, I want to fit in. Uh, I want to fit in because, you know, I'm embracing this new culture that I'm in, so... I, I, yeah, I'm liking it and I'm yeah. trying to fit in and yeah, but sometimes once in a while you'll, you know, catch me say something anyway. I like it. I like when you, cause well, it's fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's do the final question. Yes. So my next guest is Sean Feeney. He's the co-owner of Lilia and Missy award-winning restaurants in Williamsburg, Brooklyn with chef Missy Robbins. Missy was on my episode 137, which I did in 2017. Uh, and so I'm thinking, you know, a lot has changed in, for them in the past two years. Uh, so Hazel, what would you like to ask Sean? So I want to ask Sean, cause I know that Missy has been his neighbor. Um, and he knew her and he was back then in the finance industry and she was a chef and she was working at Avoce or Avoce, I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's Avoce. Avoce, yes. And, um, uh, she was looking to partner up with, with, with people to set her own place up. And, and I guess he was, you know, you, I, I don't know where what state he was in in his, his career, but what is it about his neighbor, about Missy, that made him connect the dots to go, this is my new, this is the new chapter in my life, this is what I'm going to do. What? How did magic present itself to him and what was that epiphany like in terms of what did you, you know, what he saw as her talent, as her magic, as, as what he can then, you know, plunge, uh, you know, take the plunge and, you know, sort of like make the jump in terms of getting out of the finance industry to the hospitality restaurant industry with this person that's his neighbor. What was it that he saw? Um, and I'm, I'm very curious. Um, 
because we have a lot of talents out there, a lot of really, really skilled people with gifts, and then um, and some of them have partnered with with people with resources. And I want to find that moment where they connected and what they saw in each other and go, we can do this together. Um, and yeah, and and I'm I'm curious, um, and I want to know it from his perspective. It's a great question, and I'm very curious to hear his answer, too. So I'm glad you asked it. Thank you. Thank you. That is the show. Thank you so much for having me. Look, I always have fun, like, having a yak with you. So this, <laughs> this feels just like one of, you know, our, our sort of, like, powwow moments, but with a big, thick, black microphone stuck on my face. But, um, yeah, it's always been, look, I can talk coffee and I can talk food all the time, so... Yeah, I think it's it's we're in the right industry. Oh, for it's, sure. It's, You're so knowledgeable about mm. about coffee. I mean, we would need another couple hours really to get into the specifics, but <laughs> but you, you I feel you you found your way into the the perfect role for what you're doing and I'm excited to see what's to come with yeah. with Gumption, especially in New York, something's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, so stay tuned. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. My pleasure. My guest today has been Hazel Delos Race. She is the co-owner and head roaster at Gumption Coffee in Industry City, Brooklyn. Their website is gumption.nyc and on Instagram at gumption underscore NYC. You can follow them and you can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry all industry. My Facebook page is all in the industry. My website's BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and I also have AllInTheIndustry.com. I have a lot going on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And Heritage Radio, our website has all of our shows archived. That's HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, and you can subscribe to my show and leave some reviews. And also, if you're interested in sponsoring my show, let me know. You can email me at sherry at sherrybayer.com. Thanks to my engineer today, Amanda. Thanks again to Hazel. Thank you. And I will be back next week with a live show with Sean Feeney. And I think I'm going to have a special guest stopping in to say hi to us. So you'll have to tune in to see who that is. And uh, thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.